Hi everyone, this is Terry Brooks, and I have just enjoyed a good 45 minutes on the great, big, beautiful podcast. gotten to work with really awesome, super liberal, super cool editors, Mark Doyle and Rebecca Taylor in the Bat office. They are just the coolest. And most of the DC employees that I've met have just been really great people. Uh, There are lots of... (laughs) If you go searching around on the internet, you can find unpleasant things. And I had certainly heard a lot of stories before I started working with them, and I was nervous. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. You can find us anywhere on the internet that podcasts are allowed to be downloaded (laughs) and in your ears right now. How's it going, everyone? How are you guys doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I am doing fine. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. <laughs> so we have another podcast with another special guest. Samantha Fisher is here, and she always does a great job. And always. you guys had always. you guys always without fail. Without setting, fail. We're setting her up to fail now. We're gonna we're gonna keep her. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Do I get a say so, in this? Hold on. No, this is, we're keeping you against your will, actually. <laughs> she, she's like, Jamie makes me do this. She threatens me. <laughs> this, just took a, this just took a dark turn. I, I'm not sure how that happened, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys interviewed, did a fantastic interview this week. Why don't you tell us about it? We talked to Hope Larson and Rebecca Mock. Um, Hope is, um, she's been around for a while, uh, in comics and graphic novels and the two of them have come together and they did last year uh they came out with a book called compass south and this year just uh just this month came out with knife's edge which is the second book and the two of them it's a sequel to the first so the two of them tell a complete story um and they're graphic novels uh and they are just a lot of fun. They're like the way I, I described it um, in the interview. Actually, I described it as a sort of like old-fashioned swashbuckling piratey adventures. You know, like if you're a fan of like the old serials, like old-time radio or the old movie serials from the 30s and 40s, or like Errol Flynn or something like that. Um, they have that that sensibility and that feel to them, but they are they are telling uh, a story that's a little bit updated but yet still perennial if that makes sense so in a nutshell without giving anything away the it's it's about um a couple of twins brother and sister um and through a series of circumstances the uh sister has to um quote unquote go undercover she's got to impersonate a boy she has to pretend to be a boy um and they basically it's it's adventure on the high seas and they're like they're looking for treasure and they're looking for their father and they're um you know they're running away from bad guys and um it's sort of all around the world um just a good adventure um and like i was saying though it's like i mean sam interrupt me and tell me to shut up but i mean i feel like the story <laughs> The story is, it's that weird, like, it's it feels like it's telling a modern story for today's kids, young adults, middle school, middle middle grade readers, um, but it still feels very timeless. Yes, they did a very good job of me not feeling like I was reading <laughs> <clears throat> something that I was forced to read when I was in middle school right. quite a few years ago. Um, I really enjoyed it, and, and I do tend to like comic books or graphic novels that are not superhero related. I I think I've probably mentioned that on here before. 
superheroes, I need that action, that noise. I need it to be on the screen for me to come alive. I've never been into superhero comic books um, nor graphic novels. But these type that paint such a beautiful picture with Rebecca's artwork and then get you get Hope's story in there. I got so drawn in. The first book was, gosh, it was like 200 and some pages, wasn't it? Like 260 or something nuts like that. Yeah, it's something like that. I don't have them sitting right here next to me right now. And I was walking around, like, I didn't want to put the thing down. Like, I had it on my Kindle, which Mm -hmm. I think kind of helped in a way because it's very vibrant. Like, the artwork looks very vibrant, on at least on my Kindle. I've got a pretty nice one. And I was just walking through the house reading it. like, And I never do that, ever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to put it down, but I was thirsty, so it went with me. And, <laughs> and I did that, yeah, through that whole well, book. I read that whole thing in a day, that first one, and it was wow. wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, I'll tell you, Zoe came into my office, my daughter, and she, um, you know, she's always looking for something to read, and she's super into graphic novels. So I gave her the first one. I said, here, read it. I think you'll like it. And next thing I know, I mean, it felt like it was only an hour later. It was probably like two hours later. She came back and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, you didn't like it? And she's like, no, I finished it. Where's the other one? (laughs) Like, she just blew right through it. She loved it. (laughs) I love books like that. You get them and you just can't put them down. So, Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Hopefully our reader, our readers, we don't have readers. Hopefully our (laughs) listeners will go and you, the listener, go check out this book. And anytime we interview someone like this that has a book, it would be wonderful if you went and supported them. We don't interview anyone that doesn't do good stuff. That sounds like really... We don't interview those people. Don't put up good stuff. We, uh, we always make sure it's good. All right, so we're going to go play this interview for you right now. Enjoy. So, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, the books, Compass South and Knife's Edge. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I did just read Knife's Edge. I just recently finished it, So and I loved it. Um, and, and what I love about these books is that they're like these old-fashioned, swashbuckling, piratey adventures that um, are really like, they really remind me of like the serialized stories from like the 30s and the 40s that you'd hear on the radio or like something like Tintin, something, you know, like Tintin, like the old adventure comics, something like that. I'm just, did you look to any of that stuff for inspiration or was this just, you know, where the story took you? Tintin was definitely a, a big inspiration for me. Tintin and Asterix, um, because those were really the first comics that I ever read as a kid. And I'd been wanting to make an adventure comic like that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, there's like Huckleberry Finn, um, Oliver Twist, uh, Treasure Island. I think those are the three books that I think of when I think of sort of the world that we've created. Um, it's like childhood classics. Those are some of my favorite books, not comics so much, but I'd always love those, um, period adventure novels. Yeah, no, you, you definitely, I mean, success because you've evoked that, you know, and it's like, I read them and it was just, you know, some things you read no matter when they're set, you know, whatever period they're set in. And it's just, you know, it's a good story, but they could have been set anywhere. And like, this one was just this story was just so much fun to read. You know, it's one of those ones you just keep turning the page and you just, you become so invested in the characters and, and in the story and what's happening that you really just want to know what's happening. But it's like, I can't, I couldn't put these characters in this story in any different setting and see that it would still work. Oh, that makes me really happy to hear. Um, Making the story really fun and exciting was really my primary goal in writing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, you found it to be that way because I think a lot of people have this idea that historical fiction is kind of like staid and boring and old fashioned in a bad way and not accessible. (laughs) And I think that's the, the misconception that I would love to knock out of the water more than any other. (laughs) Yeah. There will be parts in the story where like, even in the script when I was reading it, um, it's like all of a sudden uh, a storm whips up or all of a sudden they're like thrust into this new environment and it, like, um, it always like got my heart racing thinking about, oh, I can't wait to draw this. This is crazy. <laughs> That's such a good sign, right? Because not every project is like that, probably, where it's like you just get excited about the work no. you have to do. <laughs> um, no, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I noticed is between the two books, whereas 
Compass South had this very, I guess I want to call it like a cinematic feel. Like it had a lot of these really different locations and it took you all over the world and it had this Mm -hmm. sprawling story. But by contrast, you know, Knife's Edge, it felt, I guess, theatrical is the, is a, is a, the best word that I want to say like it, it was mu- the action was much more confined most of it was just on the boat and there were just a few locations and we got to really dive into the characters histories as you were writing that or creating that how intentional was that divide between the two books um or was it just the way that the story ended I, up I think it just ended up being that way and well I, I guess the main thing that changed in between those two books is that Rebecca and I both got to know the characters a lot better. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier to write uh, a story that had more to do with the relationships between or among those characters and less to do with stuff that's happening to everybody. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's true that... um, I was thinking like color wise in the in the first book, I was dealing with a lot of different color palettes because the scenes would change every three pages and you need a whole new sort of color feel. Mm-hmm. But in this one, I uh, had a very consistent color theme throughout the book because we were it was centered around for a lot of it around uh, the ship itself. So that color palette was like it, you keep coming back to it and the same characters, too. They had they didn't really change outfits or anything. So it was their color palette sort of the whole story together yeah um there is a very different feel between the two of them yeah definitely definitely um what, looking back you know when you finished i know you finished the second book creating it a, a while ago but when you when you finished it up and you know the last panel was done was the story that you told the story that you wanted to tell from the beginning for me definitely yeah i i'm super happy with how these two books wrapped up um, and I think they're pretty satisfying just as, as a pair and we'd love to do more, but I don't know if that'll be a possibility, but I'm, I'm just like, I'm happy with what we've created and where it's ended up. Yeah. Were yeah. You, were you originally envisioning a longer series or was it always like, this was it, this, that that was where the story was going to end? Pretty much. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, when you when you do stuff like this, or at least when I do stuff like this, I'm always kind of hoping for the opportunity to, to write more, sure. but it's mm-hmm. not always possible because of sales and and like boring businessy stuff. So it's <laughs> like the, the the goal is really to have it wrap up in a good place. Yeah. Whether or not we get to go on and do more in this series. Yeah. Yeah, a good story ends leaving you wanting more. And that's definitely where this ends. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, not not to spoil the ending, not to give it away, but it's, you know, it, it the story wraps, but there is still a lot of potential for more story to be told. Like, it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. end. Or imagine. Just, or like, imagine, yeah. I, the reader gets to sort of make their own conclusions about where these characters are going to keep going. And there's, because we created this huge world, like, I have a lot of my own, like, daydream fantasies about what they get to do. Uh, in the in the continuing story, but everyone's ideas are going to be different. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, you were talking about characters and how they develop, and Hope, I've heard you say that um, you don't really, quote-unquote, know your characters until you see some of the art come back from the artist or the illustrator and, and how that person brings your characters to life. Um, once you do see that art and you you get get to know your characters a little bit more, do you go back and you do you tweak this the character and do you do you fix the story a little bit based on what you're seeing? Hmm. Um. I wouldn't say it's really a, a matter of going back and fixing things or even overtly changing them. It it's just that I I have a stronger sense of who they are, and I, I mean as I move forward and write new stuff mm-hmm. or new stories with those characters, then I, I understand the choices they'll make a lot better. Right. I don't, it's like, it's, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever really gone back after seeing character designs and totally rewritten stuff because right. I felt like it didn't work. Right. Um, likewise, Rebecca, I mean, if, when you get a script or the, you know, and, and it doesn't go into, you know, incredible detail about the character design, 
is that scary for you or is that like really freeing and be like oh i have a blank slate almost i can just create this character how it how he or she speaks to me um yeah it's it's very exciting when um it's when you get a character description that's more sort of about the actions they take how they relate to other characters and you have to think about um what they need to look like what they need to have on them to um to create the actions and the moments that you want um so if there isn't a physical description of them there's still a lot of detail in the script that i get to interpret and um it's a lot of fun to create each of these like small side characters because uh the world we created there's like so many little side characters that i got to do a lot of different types of characters um which was a lot of fun for me Well, I, I was curious um, because it, this, this uh, you know, obviously kind of appeals to a certain demographic or age group, as do most things that, that folks write or create. Um, and I was curious, do you guys find, and this is for each of you to answer individually, do you find that there's a certain demographic that you find yourself it's easier to write for or to create for Rebecca for you is, or do you just kind of always find that flow when you figure out what the target audience is for the story? Do you find it pretty easy to reach to different demographics that way? Or is there one that you just kind of say, I, I really like writing to, you know, preteen girls or, you know, something <laughs> else. Like, is, is there something in there that you prefer or? I don't think I have a preference um, so far. I've, I mean, I, I've only done these two books uh, as far as um, like published works, um, and mm -hmm. they've both been for middle grade. And it's been fantastic because I love the idea of an all ages book that is sort of built to appeal to a wide audience. Mm -hmm. um, at least at least I hope so. Um, but I, I have an interest in more uh, like adult comics um, in in kids publishing. Um, it's all fun. I don't yeah, know. I would, <laughs> what would Hope say? Yeah, what would I say? Um, I really like writing middle grade. It's a lot of fun. It's less angsty usually than <laughs> YA. So which true. I enjoy. <laughs> a little bit more hopeful. And... Um, I find that a lot of the time when you're making comics, YA and middle grade end up feeling pretty similar anyway, because if you were writing a novel, like just prose, and it was YA, there would be a big difference from middle grade. But because we're showing everything visually, there's a lot of stuff we just couldn't draw that you could write in prose that would be okay for mm -hmm. a teen audience. So it's like, yeah, I, I made that shift a number of years ago, and it feels like the right one. I really enjoy writing for a slightly older audience too. I work on Batgirl. I'm the writer on that. And um, that's been fun because I have, I have writing about a character in her twenties. She has a lot more personal freedom and um, like autonomy. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. <laughs> well, I mean, technically the characters in, in this series have a lot of autonomy not by their choice but um and i wonder if that didn't kind of play into it absolutely no that absolutely <laughs> played into it because if you know i i write some slice of life stuff that's set in the present day and you have to do a lot more mental arithmetic about like okay would this kid get be able to get permission to do this could she go out to a different right. part of town on foot could she take the bus does she need a ride can she ride her bike over there uh she's got to check in with her parents all the time so yeah. it's really it's it's a lot of fun to write period stuff where your kids are basically just like out there getting into trouble and there's not a lot of adult supervision oh we we're supposed to supervise our children <laughs> i've been now doing we it are, wrong apparently 150 <laughs> years ago there was none <laughs> But, I mean, but even though the books are set 150 years ago, I think a lot of the themes and the messages are still very relevant. Um, and I, oh, I, sure. I wonder what you guys think, you know, when you go, if you were to just go back and read the books now, what you think, um, either good or bad, are the most enduring themes that, that, that come across? Uh, well, a, a big one for Knife's Edge is 
if my parents are potentially bad people, does that mean I am a bad person? Mm. That's one I've been thinking about a lot lately as I, as I do interviews and press Mm. and also, um, how much does or should my gender define me, my, my birth gender Mm. or biology. I don't really know what the right way to put that is. (laughs) Rebecca, help me out. Your your gender (laughs) maybe. I think, yeah. Um, how, what do gender roles mean mm-hmm. as far as how I define myself? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's definitely a big theme for, for Cleo in both books, which, uh, which I love. It's part of the reason I was drawn to the project. Um, the theme that, one of the th- other themes that I love is this uh, theme of like chosen family, families of choice. Um, like the, the family that our characters build for themselves is um, this this like large group of people who are, are very um, helpful with each other, who uh, believe in each other, who have difficulties with each other, and it's complex and it's become so interesting to me. Yeah, um, in that same vein, um, you know, you mentioned the difference between you know middle grade and YA, and YA is is kind of known for the heavy heavy topics and you know the angst and the you know what does it all mean kind of thing Mm -hmm. that so many of those books cover um middle grade books do some of that but that's not necessarily i think i mean correct me if i'm wrong but that's not necessarily what they're known for like i wouldn't say that's a defining trait um but i think that you know this your these two books um like as we just said it, it does deal with some heavy issues and some some major topics that kids might be thinking about um so what do you hope you know when kids if kids are going to sit down and read these books um especially girls reading about reading cleo what do you hope that they will take away from the books from from that experience hmm that's a good question yeah uh i I certainly hope that they'll decide to wear more vests (laughs) 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 um i think like uh, Cleo figures out a really good solution for comfort and for style, which is to wear a lot of vests all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> it. That's yeah. fashion. <laughs> that's it. Hold, that's interviews done. Um, yeah. That, oh, I, also to, uh, I really like, I just like to be a, a tomboy or to be sort of like to present as a boy, as a girl, but to not have that um, d- strictly define you either mm-hmm. the way um, dressing or presenting as a girl would like Cleo uh, sort of chooses her actions very independently as well as the way that she dresses and the way that she presents, which I think is really cool. Yeah, um, just I, I, I would like for girls reading this book to just think about how standing up for yourself is important. Yeah. Even when people in your life are saying no. <laughs> and maybe just like question, question, um, authority figures and <laughs> question the way the, the roles that people are putting on you and think about whether that's how you should be living your life or maybe you should go your own way. Yeah. Make mistakes too. Not just Cleo, but I think all the characters sort of, they, they're given choices and they make a decision and it's not the, it's not about good or bad. Um, but it, it helps them learn more about themselves. And I really like that they make bad decisions sometimes and they, they grow through them. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think, I have two kids, um, and I think that's one of the things that um, is the hardest lesson to learn as a parent, to, to let kids make those decisions that you know might be wrong or might be mistakes, but that's how they're going to learn, you know? And you think back mm-hmm. to when you were a kid, and like, yeah, I made a lot of dumb decisions. I made a lot of stupid choices that could have, you know, ended up a lot differently or a lot worse than they did. And just when I was a kid, though. Just when I was a kid. I don't <laughs> do that then. anymore. I, am, I was just 100. sitting here going, he just described my morning. But, you know. <laughs> yes, welcome. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> but I think that's an incredible lesson that everybody has to learn. You know, like mistakes, everybody makes them. And it's that's it, how we learn. It's how life goes on. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's. 
as a parent, it's hard to watch your kids do that. But um, yeah, that's a great lesson for kids to take away from these books, I think. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Sam? Yeah, and I guess like the other thing would be like, be an active participant in your own life. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so in particular with the Cleo character, um, obviously I'm going to identify with her um, a little bit more. But I, I liked that, you know, given the setting, we talked about that, it being, you know, obviously in the past for various reasons, it made perfect sense in that setting that she would disguise herself as a boy for safe for safety, right? Um, but I, I, I like that we managed to work in in the first book that that rubbed her the wrong way. I love that part. Like she had to do it. She did it willingly. But then you can tell there that it irked her. <laughs> she had to pretend to be a boy to do the things she wanted to do. And I was wondering, you know, like, was that on purpose or a happy accident that we see that kind of unfairness of a girl being forced to adapt who she is, at least visually, to do the things she wants or needs to do. Was was that like something consciously done or just a happy accident that she had to do it and then she got irked by it, but she got over it and did what she needed to do? I would say it's it's more intentional than accidental, definitely. Yeah. I think, Good. Hope, one of the first notes you gave me about Cleo is that she's um, like, even in her, like her first disguise, her her boy outfit, she's she doesn't she's not doing it because she's a tomboy that so that her gestures are still kind of feminine um mm -hmm. and so i always tried to work that in mm -hmm. that com at least compared to alex and if if she's like relating to no one else in the world then she's relating herself to alex um that she's the more feminine one hmm. um I know you both, I know you said that, you know, this is, this is the end for now and you'd love to do more, but you know, there's no guarantee. It depends on how they sell. But, um, I have to say that I kind of fell in love with Sar from the first book and I really want, I really want to see more of her. So like, could we maybe see short stories or web comics or something more in this, in this universe? Yeah. We love Sar. We've actually talked about how we wish we could do like a Sar standalone yes, book. I really uh. want to spin off. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's Sar and her her big family have yeah. a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah. Somebody I, should maybe we can like start a rec a, a letter writing campaign to FSG. <laughs> I am I am get fully in demand of that. a Sar book. I would love to read that book. All right, we'll we'll get on it. All right, I, I'll do what I can. I don't know what I can do, but I'll, I'll start I'll start the letter writing campaign maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Rebecca, I know you also said, you know, this is so Compass South was really the first long form book that you worked on, correct? Mm hmm. Um, what sort of challenges did you end up facing that you really just couldn't have predicted in advance? I mean, you're I mean, you're ex you're an experienced artist. It's not like you were just off the street and you didn't know what you were doing. But <laughs> having having never turned out like 200 pages for a book you know I mean I'm sure that there were a lot of mm -hmm. challenges there that you were just like oh, I don't know what I'm doing you know um. yes it's daunting <laughs> yeah I can say from experience and I also I know a lot of friends who have gone through the exact same challenge like we all have sat at the on page one and thought how am I going to get to right. page 250 <laughs> um and and what was great about working with a writer, and especially working with Hope, who was both writer and artist, so knows how it works, um, was that she could give me a lot of tips starting out. Mm -hmm. um, and I also got to ask um, a couple of other people who I knew who had put out books before what their process was. And I, at the end, I had sort of this like compare and contrast like list of tips from different people about their process. And I could see things that everyone did and things people did differently. And it really helped at the beginning to get that sense of like different people's systems and create my own from the offset um, and to build it from scratch too, because I had never tried it before. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just figure it. I'll pick what I think works best for me and I'll just try it. Yeah. Um, and it challenges that I faced that I didn't expect. Um, I, I guess, I didn't expect to hit sort of like this obsessive level that I think a lot of people hit 
um, like midway through a project or towards the end where you feel like if I don't finish this, I'm going to go crazy. But also <laughs> it's, it's so far along that I feel like I'm hitting a wall every single day. <laughs> I can't get through it. Um, that's, it's really tough to crest that hill. Um, and it was helpful to have a teammate and, uh, to check in with like weekly and just be like, okay, I didn't do everything I promised that I would, but I did about 70% and I'm going to do 70% next week and I'm going to I'm going to get this done, I swear. <laughs> you, you got injured too, right? Um, um, did I? Was that a surprise? Yeah, you, you like, you, I remember you had to take some time off. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't get, I got tendonitis. Oh, my goodness. Um, from drawing too much too quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally happens to almost every cartoonist. This happened to me. Every book I do, there's a period where I injure myself and have to take some time off. <laughs> Yeah, I like you forget. know this going in. Everybody says yeah. that it happens. You, I've I've listened to interviews of that you have given hope, and you have said it happened to you during Wrinkle in Time, right? Yeah, yeah, it actually happened a couple of times. That was the worst I've ever had it, because that that book is just so long. And actually, it's a long I book. yeah, it's a yeah. long book, and I um, I had these pages where I was drawing stars with a a felt tip pen and pressing really hard on the page. And that was what really put my arm over the edge. So it's like every (laughs) book, I feel like I learn another thing to not do with my body or else I'll get hurt. It's like, I wonder if more people knew that going in, whether they would still decide to do it, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do a 250 page book. That sounds like I can, that's doable. Like, no, you're going to wreck your arm, you know? Yeah. Everybody goes in thinking it won't happen to me. Right. I think that's, that's what I learned is that I thought, okay, I know this happens to people, so I'm not going to let it happen to me. I'm definitely, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to hit my checkpoints and it's going to be fine. And then it, you can't, you can't avoid it. Or it's very easy to push yourself too far, I it think. It sneaks up comics. on you. It sneaks yeah. up on you. You just It's like one day you're okay, and then another day you're like, oh, that feels a little weird. And the next day it's like, wham. <laughs> but it's, it's not usually it's – like, it's like being an athlete and going for a run and spraining your ankle or something like that. You just have to take some time off. Yeah. And it, usually you heal up okay, and you don't need like a wrist brace or, a, or like surgery or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> you might just need some emotional support. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the hardest part. You're like, oh, I'll never draw again. <laughs> How many times have you said like... that? <laughs> Ooh, what's a book? <laughs> yeah. Um, do we, do either of you get anxious at the beginning of a new project? Like if you're if you're collaborating with somebody new, you know, I mean, even if you know that person's work really well, or if you know the per- it's a personal friend, like it's still an untested relationship dynamic between the two of you like do you ever get 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 like a little bit anxious be like oh what if this just doesn't work out like what if what if yeah. what if we're not a yes. good fit <laughs> they were both adamantly yes. <laughs> yeah i uh <laughs> i didn't used to and uh well i can say that just on these books we had a really difficult time finding and keeping a colorist so mm-hmm. that's colored my my thoughts on collaborating with people because it's like what if they just flake yeah what if they just take another job and they don't want to follow through on this or what if they're not up to snuff and just not clicking with the team for some reason it's very scary and like because um the the publisher pays us and then we pay anybody else who comes onto the project then if something doesn't work out, then we're the ones who are on the hook mm. for paying them. And there's no way to be reimbursed. We're basically like, yeah. we're a small business. We're yeah. <laughs> a small business of, of Knife's Edge. That's that's interesting. Is that is that normal <laughs> procedure? Is that how it works? I, I never quite realized that. So like- It if, depends. If you want to bring on a colorist or a letterer or somebody that's not you know contracted with the publisher, basically you're subcontracting out to that person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with, with superhero comics and stuff like that, they have this whole system where they're used to they they set it all up and they hire everybody independently. Yeah. They hire like the writer and the artist and the inker and the colorist and the letterer. Um, and some book publishers work a little bit more like that. I think Scholastic and First Second tend to have colorists and letterers that you can 
apply to your book, mm-hmm. kind of. But mm-hmm. our contract doesn't work that way. It, okay. It's like it's me and Rebecca, and then anyone else that we bring in, that's on us. So that mm-hmm. that sort of raises the stakes. Then, I mean, if you're already feeling anxious about bringing somebody on who might not fit creatively, now it's like, oh, you're also financially attached to this person too. Oh yeah, it's not just the yeah, publisher's problem. If you're or like, I get I get very nervous about my own work. Um, or and with the uh, with the colorist, I felt very anxious about them because I thought they're not going to get like my work. They're not going to get the vision. They're not going to get the colors right. So it ended up that I did the colors myself partially because we didn't click with anybody that we hired, but also partially, I think, because I was so anxious and controlling about my first book that I thought I I have to have to do this myself. Um, So it might be that like sometimes you feel too inadequate or you feel you let your feeling of inadequacy sort of control how you click with someone else when you're working with them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can see that. Um, well, I was wondering like, cause collaboration is always an interesting animal because everyone who does collaboration work, you also have your own stuff, your solo stuff that you're doing. And uh, I don't play well with others, you know, Jamie, Jamie excluded. <laughs> we play pretty well. Together. <laughs> I'm kidding. I do fine. But uh, I noticed like, I'm thinking like I have a day job, so I think about that a lot and how it applies. And I cool. struggle with this. So do you guys have any – is there like a, a ramp up or ramp down period? So if you're working with someone like the two of you work together with some other folks on this project, when you switch back to doing a solo project and then come back maybe to another collaboration, like how do you make those transitions? And does do you struggle a little bit for making all of the calls and being responsible for everything to now – all these people are involved in the decision-making process. I personally love not having to make all the calls. I think that's great. And I think all this, in a good collaboration, that's where the magic happens. When you're, you're having this like exchange of ideas with somebody who is awesome and, and they're bringing cool stuff to it and you're bringing cool stuff to it. Um, I've also had, I've also worked on projects where I have to keep a much tighter grip on things. And I don't love that, but I think that's also just part of the job sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely varies. Uh, my, my, a lot of my experiences are with art directors and, and with uh, editorial illustration or advertising. And it really does depend on the person you're working with and how you click with them. Um, like if you, I've had the privilege to work with some great art directors and some great editors who have fantastic ideas. And like my work becomes more than I could have anticipated if uh if I had to make a lot of the decisions myself or to go against an editor whose ideas I didn't like um and that's been one of the blessings of working with this team with working with Hope and our editor um is that this book could these books could not have become uh as beautiful as they are and I couldn't be as proud of them as I am uh if it wasn't this like really good collaboration between people yeah, absolutely. We have um, our, our editor, Margaret Ferguson, is really amazing. And amazing. really, the, I've worked with a bunch of editors, and a lot of them have been really good editors. I've been super lucky, but she is by far the best. And it's like, this Knife's Edge is the third book I've worked on with her. The first was Wrinkle on Time, the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And it really took a while for me to understand the notes that she was giving and her style as an editor because the editors I'd had before her had been much gentler <laughs> and notes were usually phrased as <laughs> questions. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I thought that, I just thought she was not happy with my work and I thought she didn't like me for the first book we did together. And then I kind of realized that what was actually happening is that we have a very similar personality type <laughs> and we're both pretty no nonsense and we're both busy and direct. And once I figured that out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. There's none of like the dressing up of anything. It's just straight to the point and we can just oh. like get right down to it. And I love that. And now it's like, I wish all my editors could be like, <laughs> I can't. 
Oh, God, yeah, I love when I get notes on a project and that's like a paragraph that's trying to explain one thing. Um, and it's very, very polite because they're sort of not sure what they're saying. Um, those are my favorites. I love I love decrypting those. Yeah. yeah, I've gotten notes from Margaret where it's like, I don't think this chapter is working and I don't think it's exciting. <laughs> and that's like the note. It's like, start over. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, like that, actually. Yeah. Well, there's no beating around the bush. There's no like, well, maybe I can save something here. Maybe she really does like this part of it, and you nope, know, and like waste. <laughs> and you're wasting no. time, right? And yeah. you're just like, no, I don't like this. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> so just a brief segue there, um, uh, or, or a side, Jamie. You edit. Are you that style? Is um, that your style? I, well, I, I edit very different kinds of books. I edit nonfiction. I, I mean, I work in educational publishing. No, so I edit, um, it, it's incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> so like half of what I do are like K to eighth grade textbooks. And the other half of what I do are like professional development books for teachers, like how to be mm. a better teacher, how to be a better principal. Um, I have I, inputs into those if you're looking I, for opinions. I can probably speak um, candidly because I don't think any of my authors actually listen to the show. But, um, <laughs> they're not exactly the world's greatest authors. So, yeah, I, I tend to not coddle authors in my notes. Um, yeah, so I, I have no qualms with rewriting and uh, telling them why they're wrong. Um, and there's but, a difference between mean and being straight with someone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm never mean. I'm just truthful <laughs> it's respectful yeah. that's i think that's it's a, a more respectful way to, to edit when you're yeah. saying okay i'm going to meet you as a professional professionals working on this thing right. and it needs to be better right exactly <laughs> we, we want to make like this it. the best we can for the audience and if this isn't working if i don't think this is working no reader is going to think this is working either mm-hmm. um you know but okay so that being said and you know collaborations <laughs> and all of that um i'm going to put you both kind of on the spot a little bit here um, what, what do you think was the biggest strength that the other brought to the books, to the project, uh, aside from the obvious, aside from, you know, words and art, um, but like what, what, what change did the other bring to the project in a wonderful way that you maybe couldn't have anticipated? Um, Rebecca disregarded some of my notes without asking me about it and it made the book a lot stronger oh no (laughs) specifically description you know what i'm talking about i do (laughs) well that's very kind of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah there there was a sort of unwritten um space for me to sort of go my own way with certain details um which was i'm very grateful for uh even though um i made all of those decisions very nervously um, except for the one where I made it by mistake. <laughs> I'm not going to ask what it was, but was this character description or background description? The one I'm thinking of is there was a page that um, that in the script that Hope sent me, there was a lot of it just what uh, she had skipped writing it. Oh, yeah, I skipped. I accidentally forgot to write the descriptions on the whole page for the panels. Except <laughs> I for, like, the, the last dialogue. panel. Yeah, sometimes I'll do that and I'll I'll go back and fill it in, but I just forgot somehow to do that one page. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to thumbnail it without asking you what was supposed to happen. Which was great. Um, yeah, I like that page. I'm proud of it. Good. I like that. So there's Happy spaces accident. like that. Yeah. Um, as, far, as far as working with Hope, I can't pick one thing. This is unfair. I know. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love moments in the script that are uh, tense conversations. Like, as an artist, I guess it's more exciting, supposedly more exciting for me to draw the big action scenes. And those were a lot of fun. Um, I, like, they were super challenging and I would I would be in pain when I was drawing them, but I'm so proud of them. Mm-hmm. But they were lead-ups. They, they were needed in the story to sort of build up to these moments of clarity between two characters. And they're those scenes in the both books aren't as exciting to draw, maybe, but they were cathartic for me mm-hmm. because Hope had written these characters so well and had put them through so much that expressing their emotions, expressing these characters' emotions for them was this, like, uh, wonderful spiritual moment for me. Um, and I'm just grateful for that, for all those wonderful key scenes. Hmm. Fantastic. 
Um, I want to just shift gears a little bit for a few minutes. Um, Hope, you mentioned Batgirl, so I figure it's it's open, it's out there. I can ask, yeah, you, totally. ask you a couple things. Um, <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, when you when you take over a superhero, especially like a main character, I have to imagine there's like a ton of baggage that comes with that. You know, I mean, there's decades of history. There's fans that expect certain things. Were you intimidated at all to, to, to sort of jump into that fray and say, all right, I'm going to draw one of the, like the big, well-known, everybody knows her, everybody has an opinion on her characters? Yeah, I was definitely intimidated. Um, gosh, so intimidated. <laughs> I, I really loved the previous run on the book, too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do I not mess up everything that <laughs> the previous team did? Mm-hmm. And actually, what's been really funny is that I I do a lot of conventions, and I hear from a lot of fans, and I'll get a fair number of people coming up and saying, thank you so much for, for like, bringing my Batgirl back, mm. or, or, like thank you so much for for undoing the damage the previous team did to the character. <laughs> and I'll just sit there and be like, thanks. Wow. I just, you know, I have been trying to, yeah. to like stay on the same path that they were on. I don't know what I'm doing that's so different that I, that- What are you doing that? So weird. Wow. It's, it's very interesting. But sort of what you have to do is is just say, I will have those people who are like, thank you for for bringing back my Batgirl. And then I'll have people who are like, this is the worst Batgirl. Yeah. And it's fine. You can't avoid that. There's always going to no. be those loudmouth fans who have They're their opinions. Always both, yeah. They need, they need you to hear their opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand yeah, it's fine. it. <laughs> um, Do a lot of muting on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> oh, my God. I, even, I can't even imagine. Um, but at the same time... You know, when you take over a book like that, especially in the middle of a, a, you know, like a big event, you know, there, I'm sure, come with a lot of editorial requirements. I mean, how much freedom do you really have to tell the story? Or is it like, okay, she this month she needs to be in this place meeting with this character, so it ties into these other three books, and at the end it has to be, like, these are, you can't really change the status quo because blah 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 Yeah, well, I, I'm lucky in that I'm not really part of any events, mm-hmm. like, my book is technically a number one and it's part of rebirth, but mm-hmm. nothing really got reborn. <laughs> um, and, and there are all these big events that are happening, but I'm over in my corner just doing my Batgirl and it's, right. it's not a big concern for me. Um, as far as how much freedom I really have, that's debatable. Um, sometimes I have a lot of freedom and sometimes higher ups particularly have specific, like I'll write a a pitch and they'll glom onto a certain aspect of it. And then I'll have to rewrite the pitch centered around that other thing. Um, Some, yeah, it it really, yeah, it's changing all the time. Yeah. It it kind of feels like trying to avoid the eye of Sauron. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Aren't sure we D- all trying to yeah. avoid that gaze? <laughs> um, don't put on the ring. Don't put on the one ring, Barbara. Um, what I love, though, about the fir- at least the first arc was that you had Barbara backpacking around Asia. Um, it's something that I did. It's something that a lot of people did. Is is it- Oh, did you? I did. That's awesome. <laughs> um, did you? I mean, I'm just wondering, like, did you draw on personal experiences or was that research? Or Because you... One of the things that I liked, and, and you know, I was reading a lot of reviews too. A lot of the reviewers picked up on is that you made each of the countries that she went to feel unique. It wasn't like a generic, stereotypical Asian city. You know, now she's in a different yeah. Asian city. Like they were different. They were they had character. They were unique. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been to Korea and I've been to Hong Kong, South Korea and Hong Kong. Um. I've never been to Japan. I've never been to China proper. I was in Hong Kong before it was handed back over to China. Yeah. Um, and I've never been to Singapore. And uh, I have, I, I interviewed friends who've lived in some of those places. Yeah. And I did tons and tons and tons of research. 
And that was basically how that came together. I mean, Raphael is in Brazil or something. Yeah. Like he's in South America. I'm here. <laughs> None of us have really spent much time in in Asia. Yeah. But well, yeah. Success. I wish I could go. Thank you. you. I'm yeah. I'm so glad that it felt <laughs> somewhat accurate to you. Yeah, no, no, no. I lived in China for three years. Um, and I traveled all over and I got married over there and we took a six month honeymoon and we went all over Asia. So, um, I, I'm actually, we're going back in a couple of weeks. I'm going to spend six weeks over there again. Oh, awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if you get the chance, I highly recommend you go. Even yeah, if, I want you know, to. You just write it off sure. as research. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you do that if it's research for a project you've already written? Um, yeah. Do you think Uncle Sam would be cool with that? Well, you never know when there's going to be like so. a revised second edition, right? You, you, exactly. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. You'd be fine. I I'm an accountant by day. <laughs> you can set up a business meeting with someone in the industry. It doesn't even have to be for a specific yep. project. Yep. And if you do, then you're done. Yep. It's a business right. trip. That's what I do. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's how what I usually do too. Actually, all that swag behind him. I set I set up one meeting with a publisher somewhere, and I'm like, oh, I can write off the whole trip now. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Do, do one signing. That's right. You're good. There you go. I really hope nobody from the IRS actually. Oh listens my god! To it. You went a little far with that. One. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I've had set up business trips, and they have worked out for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really does pay off to sort of put yourself out there and go exploring, meeting new people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this introvert over here is going to take your word for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did want to ask, I, I had I had a very particular question, Hope, that I wanted to ask you. It's kind of personal to me. Um, <clears throat> I have to ask what it's like working for DC. Uh, they are... They are often called to task lately for their treatment of women that work for them, the treatment of women and minorities in their books. And I'm curious how that impacts you and your approach to Batgirl, if at all, or if you yeah, just kind that, of put that aside and work in a book. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the, the most like tactful way I can answer this question. My experience has been a really good one with them. I have, I've gotten to work with really awesome, super liberal, super cool editors, Mark Doyle and Rebecca Taylor in the bat office. They are just the coolest. And most of the DC employees that I've met have just been really great people. Uh, There are lots of... If you go searching around on the internet, you can find unpleasant things. And I had certainly heard a lot of stories before I started working with them, and I was nervous. I can um, imagine. I was nervous, and I'm not even involved. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I honestly, I would just have to say, ask me again in like another year or two, because I'm so early in my, my tenure at DC that. It's just, I'm I'm like Johnny Come Lately. And <laughs> You're the new, I'm, the new girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm the new girl, and I'm sort of still in my period of, of establishing myself and proving myself. And I could get fired. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> like, you never know. But well, so far, so good. Could. <laughs> we yeah. all could. Especially me telling you guys what to do with your taxes. That could get me. <laughs> but we don't want her to get fired because of something she said to us. So. Exactly. So, no, that was, a, that was a very good way, I think, of handling that. Is It, it is no secret that there are some, some PR issues going on with their, their approach to that. Them as a whole. And you're absolutely right. The company... The company isn't every individual, and and I'm reminded of that, and that's why I wanted to ask you about that. Is because every company, no matter no matter what's going on in, in the world, their marketing and their PR is going to have pockets of absolutely wonderful people. Yeah. And given the quality of of your your arc with Batgirl, I had a feeling that you were working with some really good folks. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. The message is coming through very good in that one. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, now I've got a tough question for Rebecca. Um, <laughs> oh, I know. Apparently, I bring the hard questions, which makes no sense. I'm the comic relief. Um, 
So I was looking at your Tumblr and I noticed that I'm going to say way back, but obviously it's a little more than a month ago at the beginning of June, you mm-hmm. posted, posted some more of those cool GIFs that you do or GIFs. I, I don't, yes. I don't want to get into that. GIF is a peanut butter. So it's GIF. Yeah. Sorry. The Southern girl. It's a GIF. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you had posted, and they were awesome, by the way, but you had also put a little comment there that one of the reasons you hadn't posted in so long is that you've been working on super secret projects. So Mm. I was wondering, like, are those all out in the open now? Or if they're not, can you give us some hints on what those projects might be? I can on some. um, A lot of my work is in-house or I'll do uh, work for hire for a large advertising project. Um, so there, there's a lot of work I've done in the past year that I just can never post, um, which is unfortunate because I've done a lot of really interesting work and sort of expanded my skill set in the past year, everyone, just letting you know. Um, <laughs> I can't, can't show anybody right now. Um, but one of the projects that I can now talk about or uh, that I couldn't before was I did a lot of concept art and key art for a video game called Tacoma, which um, is coming out soon. Um, which uh, a preview uh, was shown at E3 uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's by Fulbright, the same company that did this indie video game called Gone Home. And so this this one is their, their new game, their, their big like space epic mystery game. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I'd never done concept art before. And it'd been a long time since I'd worked in video games, which uh, technically that's how I got my start. So it was really fun to go back into that. Um, and I'm very excited. So, so I should be able to post the concept art soon. I'm pretty excited. Nice. Now, see, you just you just stepped into my little world. I'm a video game junkie. Ah, hello. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know. If if only I could live. Oh, my hope and I life. love video games. We. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's going to out me on a project I can't talk about. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, uh, guys, Hope is really good at DDR. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, man, I thought I thought you were alluding to something different. But, yes, uh, Re- Rebecca was in, in oh, my no. town in Asheville um, like two weeks ago yeah. or something. And we went to the local barcade and played a lot of oh, video games. Amazing. And it was extremely fun. We played a lot of Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. And like the initial Like the original game? one? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Nice. nice. Love it. It was great. I um, love that all towns are getting those, by the way. Like, even even crappy Columbus, Ohio has, like, four of those now. Yeah. It's wonderful. And tabletop bars and, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, you, you can't. There was always an arcade in the mall, and it was always empty. I And they usually close down eventually. Yeah. yeah. And so it's great to see that uh, people are coming back in. And as long as there's, like, beer on tap yeah. apparently that's People what the arcades were missing games. back in the 80s and you know, they were yeah. missing the beer and that's why nobody was there well everybody plays home consoles now it's, it's right. fine it's fine uh, yeah but you guys are also working on a book together right that you can't talk about or can you talk about a little bit i think we can uh, say the name yeah maybe? yeah <laughs> we can talk about it a little we're we're working on a book called the salt witch the salt witch yes. um and it's a standalone graphic novel I think that's probably it's about witches. In case yeah. you didn't pick up on that, and salt. Uh, and it was salt, salt, or are they salty witches? Like you know, <laughs> both. A bit of both. both. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think it's going to be out in like 2020, so don't hold your breath or anything. <laughs> but it will be coming out. We're very excited about it. It's going to be awesome. Is it the same publisher? Or are you yeah. looking for a publisher? Or can you not say? Uh, that's a complicated question that I can't answer. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. It'll be out. No, It'll no, be no, a book. No. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's, it's just don't worry, Jamie. They got this. I got. I'm, I'm not worried. I was just <laughs> there. Um, awesome, you guys. Hope Rebecca. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, and I know at least Rebecca, you're going to be at SPX at the in the fall, right here in the DC area. Are you yeah. both going to be at that show? I will be at Staple in Austin that okay. weekend. Yes. So yeah, Rebecca will be at SPX. I will be at Staple. If folks are in Austin, you can come see me. Yeah. I'll sell you some books. <laughs> yeah, please do. I'm sad to miss Staple. I hear it's a really good show. 
Yeah, I've never been. I can't SB, wait to hear SBX about it. SBX is an amazing show. So I don't know if you've been before, but uh, it's it's, yeah. it's on my do not miss oh, yeah. every year list of shows. So um, that'll be exciting. I'll come. I'll swing by and say hi. Please do. <laughs> I'm excited for SBX. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. So Good Stuff Podcast uh, is what I think we probably should have named the show. You said we we don't talk to people Mm -hmm. unless they've got good stuff to talk about. So I think, you know, the great big beautiful podcast is just way too long. Nobody can get it right. I think maybe we should have just been Good Stuff Podcast. (laughs) After after the Good Stuff Show. (laughs) After this many episodes, should we rebrand? That's the question. (laughs) No, we're not rebranding at this point. Not at all. So, Samantha, off air. No. Sounds like a like different so sort official. of show, too. Oof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I say off air like we're, like, super technical and we have, like, a light outside of our doors that ah. has an air button on. But off air, Samantha was talking about the 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 quality of conversation with the two and how they related back and forth. What were you saying about that, Samantha? I'd love for the people to hear that. I loved feeling through through the entire um, interview. You You kind of picked up on the fact that there, there was a little bit, um, I, I used the word starstruck, but it's too strong. But you could tell that Rebecca was just so grateful for the opportunity that she got working with Hope, who was obviously a little more experienced, and Hope's also an illustrator as well. And so you could just kind of hear that and, and then almost feel the shift as Rebecca's confidence built, even in the interview. And I liked that. And um, they started talking about the stuff that they're doing, the, the next thing coming up, and they were both so excited about it. And to, to see Rebecca come from kind of being a little quiet at first um, about their relationship, a little hesitant to just kind of being a peer to her. It happened right in the interview, and I loved that. I loved yeah. seeing that. Yeah. I mean, this it's, it's remarkable when you find out that these books, Compass South was the first full-length graphic novel that Rebecca had ever done. Um, and I mean, it, it's not a short book. It's not. A, we're not talking a 32-page monthly issue. This was, like you said, a 250-some page graphic novel. And then she went right in and did the second one. And looking at the book, I mean, she's not a nobody. She didn't come from off the street. She's, she's an experienced illustrator who has worked for ad campaigns and magazines and things like that. So, I mean, she's, a, she's an accomplished mm-hmm. artist who is very, very good at what she does. Um, but to have never done sequential art storytelling like mm. that, the book doesn't show it. Like there are no rough edges. Wow. There's no, there's no like, oh, okay, now she's getting, she's feeling more comfortable with, with drawing these characters and they kind of get, you know, a little bit softer. Like from, from page one, panel one, she feels like this, like it, it feels like she, she knew what she was doing from the beginning. And having talked to them, you know, she's probably she'll be the first one to say, like, at the very beginning, she didn't know what she was doing. You know, she had she asked a million she asked a million questions and felt very insecure and was kind of overwhelmed. But that does not show in the book at all. Can can you imagine sitting down to something like that for the first time and just being like, okay. Yeah, I have to draw 200 plus pages. Yeah, and it's not even, you know, it's not even 250 like full page pictures. It's like, right six or seven or eight panels yeah. on each page sometimes you know <laughs> yeah yeah i, I, I think I mean, no matter I'm, how professional you not are an artist, it, that would overwhelm me right and i think no matter how much of a professional you are that would be like okay what do i what am i doing right now <laughs> the <Yeah>. first time <laughs> what have yeah. i gotten myself into yeah <laughs> well i started thinking about it a little more and to me that would be like going from somebody who's been writing for for the 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 Geek Mama Geek Dad blogs for mm-hmm. what about a year and a half now, and that was my first experience with actually publishing something, putting something out there that I didn't just write for myself. It'd be like me in like a year or two trying to write a novel. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I, I and I'm not saying I'm anywhere near as good as Rebecca Mock as an artist. Don't want to anybody think <laughs> no, I that. Get it. I get it. Yeah, but that yeah. overwhelmed feeling to me that would be like if somebody told me I had to do that right now, I would just be yeah. like, heck, I do. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, like we've <laughs> not like we've contracted you to write with to write this novel. Please uh, turn in your 300 pages in four months. You know. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> 
I mean, but for MrStarWars.com, that would be just a walk in the park, probably. Oh, total, total walk in the park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could feel him rolling his eyes. Are you kidding me? But then um, I kind of, I I, I felt a little bad. I kind of put hope on the spot with my questions about DC. (laughs) But... Like, but she did a great job. Like that was, I don't think I could have gotten a better answer than the one she gave. I'm so, sure it's not something that she hasn't thought about before. You know, yeah. she may, she may have been asked that point blank before. I don't know. But, you know, clearly that's something that she, that she, like, that was not an answer she made up on the spot. Like she, she that was about either, it. it was even if, if it wasn't prepared for a separate interview, that was something that she had been she had prepared in her mind as justification or like, you know, this is not as bad as everybody said it was going to be. So and that um, her experience has been yeah. great was was that's that's good. I'm I'm yeah. very happy for her. I'm happy to hear about those pockets of it working very well for, with people working with that company. Because yeah. we hear so much of the bad and, you know, there's sure. got to be good mm-hmm. or people wouldn't still be there. Exactly. Exactly. And and we're the great big beautiful podcast. We put the hard questions to the people. We demand answers. <laughs> Apparently, you bring me in to ask the hard ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you know, no softball for Sam. Like she comes in yeah. straight down the middle. That's so right. tell me what it's really like. I want to know. Oh, that's like that. That's like Jamie. One time, I, I'm not going to say who it was, but we had something that we weren't supposed to ask. One of the they didn't like. Not that we didn't couldn't ask it, but. It was a touchy <laughs> subject, and Jamie it asked like the, it like right, yeah. right out it of nowhere. It was like the <laughs> one thing, like don't talk to him about this because he doesn't yeah. like it, and everybody always asks him about it, and he doesn't want to talk about it. it. So I asked anyway. Did you at least <laughs> wait till it. the end of the? No, conversation? it was like it was like right in the middle. So of course Justin had to go. Didn't you have to well, edit that out? I, I think I did. I, I might have, but Jamie's met him since, and let's just say it was all forgiven. I think so. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! It was not—it was nothing but love. <laughs> All right, someday we'll let you in on that inside joke. We'll talk maybe someday. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back week after week. Um, if you want to hit subscribe, make sure you do that. We would love to see you download each episode. And I challenge you: go find somebody in our catalog that you might not necessarily know, or they do maybe that maybe they do something that you're don't, not necessarily interested in and go listen to it. Cause you never know what you're going to find. You just never know. You might f- fall. Maybe you don't like graphic novels. I mean, I would assume you do if you listen to this, but maybe you don't <laughs> like them and just go and be like, okay, I'm going to give this, this one a chance and, and download it and listen to it. We even have uh, interviews with fantastic podcasters. So, Go, go, go right now. Go forth. I challenge you. All go, right. Go go, 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 go. And while you're there, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB podcast. <laughs> I am Justin at 140 Justin C. And Jamie I am is. Jamie at the Roarbots. And Samantha, you are? At Samantha Fisher on Twitter. Perfect. And we will see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.